Discovery Plus has what you're hungry for with new original series and a supersized collection of favorites. It's the largest collection of food shows anywhere, all for only $4.99. Discovery Plus, the streaming home of food, plus so much more. Start your free trial. Welcome to episode 36 of How We Win. All over the country, people are staying home, staying safe, and doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now, right from your living room or bedroom or kitchen or wherever we're finding you. Mm -hmm. The best antidote to anxiety is action. We're six months away from election day. Together, we're going to get through this and we're going to win in November. Today, we are California fever dreaming with the chair of the California Democratic Party, Rusty Hicks. We'll talk about the lessons learned from the labor movement, how to build coalitions between the party and grassroots groups, and how we're leveraging digital tools to win in November. But we also have an important election next week in California's 25th Congressional District, where Assemblymember Christy Smith is running to fill the seat vacated by Katie Hill. We're going to tell you how you can help hold this House seat. It's a very tight race. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How how We Win. The dog's roaming around the room and hasn't been to the groomer in two months. And so I hear in my nightmares these clack, clack, clack. That's kind of like me with my long hair and long nails clacking around the house. (laughs) (laughs) I have also not been to the groomer in a while. Does Melinda have to give you peanut butter in order to cut your nails? (laughs) (laughs) I love peanut butter. I would probably let her do it if she gave that to me. (laughs) Um, So anyway, you were saying the Senate. We haven't talked about in a little while the Senate and uh, Mitch effing McConnell. And he's showing why we need to be talking about him and the Senate and how important it is that we take back the Senate Mm -hmm. uh, by bringing the Senate back right now when um, Pelosi and the House members are are not coming back out of safety and trying to protect the health of not just the Congress people and the senators, but their staffers. That's really- So many staffers. Yeah, and their exactly. families that, and, all, and the, their families. all the airline workers because they all have to come from all their different districts across the, the country. That's right. That's right. So um, they're putting a lot of people at risk and McConnell is doing it because why? I'm going to ask you, what is the number one thing that motivates Mitch McConnell? I would love to say his constituents or the people of this country or, but I I think it has something to do with remaking our judicial system. That's exactly right. That's his um, raison d'etre, as they would say in France. Oh, fancy. (laughs) Exactly. French now. (laughs) Yeah. Throwing, throwing it out there because I'm getting stir crazy here, but (laughs) it's what motivates him, the Supreme Court, the federal court and uh, stacking it with conservative justices because he, he's all about 
institutional power. And so there's two main reasons why he really brought back the Senate. One, and he said this out loud, this is not just you know us guessing, is to confirm more federal justices and these hand-picked uh, mm-hmm. conservative justices that he wants to ram through. He sees the writing on the wall. He's worried about November, and they want to get as many conservative justices confirmed as possible. The other thing is he felt a little bit out of the loop on the negotiating for the last stimulus package. Mm. Um, the administration was negotiating directly with the Democrats for that. And um, so uh, he wants more input into the next stimulus bill, presumably so he can do what he's always done. And that's, you know, protect his, his cronies and um, not looking to um, lift up the lives of, of ordinary working people, but to help out big business. So kind of an evil genius. I mean, he really always has his eyes on, what for him is the prize for the rest of us is like a deep, dark black hole. But Oh, my gosh. The focus on the Grim Reaper is, uh, <laughs> you know, self-described, by the way. That's his own nickname for himself. It's intense. Oh, man. I wish I, I had a psychology degree so I could do a deep dive into that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one I of mean, our listeners can offer us some insight over what what motivates a person to refer to themselves in that way? It's all about just building power. And you're right. He's, he's like an evil genius and debatably the most dangerous and destructive force in our politics right now. So as it's easy to focus on and, and we should focus on the job the administration is doing around coronavirus and all mm-hmm. of the asinine and psychotic things that Trump does – we really need to stay focused on the Senate seats. We have to take back the Senate. It is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of the administration, can I read you some middle of the night tweets from Donald Trump? Who was tweeting? Who was tweeting? Oh, Trump was tweeting in the middle of the night? Listen, in the middle of the night, who's tweeting but Donald Trump and a whole bunch of people who, you know, regret what they tweeted in the morning. I, I don't think that he has any <laughs> regrets. So this group of never Trump Republicans have released an anti-Trump ad. I mean, they're really focused on on making sure that he doesn't get reelected. And they're being led by George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's right. um, husband. Um, right. And of course, Kellyanne's a, a, an advisor to Trump, which, which is just, weird. This whole, yeah, that relationship. Yeah. Um, So anyway, this Republican group released an ad called Morning in America, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And of course, that's a play on the Ronald Reagan commercial from back in the 80s, Morning in America. And of course, you know, that's where Trump got his Make America Great Again slogan was from from Ah, Reagan. So um, (laughs) It all comes together in a really depressing way. So um, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, tweeted in the middle of the night after this ad came out, uh, a group of rhino Republicans who failed badly 12 years ago, then again eight years ago, and then got badly beaten by me, a political first-timer four years ago, have copied no imagination, (laughs) the concept of an ad from Ronald Reagan. Morning in America, doing everything possible to 
uh, okay, we're gonna skip. We're gonna skip a couple of tweets. Mercifully, <laughs> yeah, they don't know how to win, and their so-called Lincoln Project is a disgrace to Honest Abe. I don't know what Kellyanne did to her deranged loser of a husband, Moonface. Oh. But it must Wait, have been Moonface. Really Wait, sorry, <laughs> did you say Moonface? <laughs> yes, he's now referring to Conway as Moonface. He also refers to crazed Rick Wilson, another Republican, mm-hmm. Evan McMuffin, McMillan. <laughs> They're all losers. But Abe Lincoln, Republican, oh, is all smiles. <laughs> yeah. As you said, this is the leader of the free world, um, the president of the United States during a pandemic Right. Uh, that is uh, killing thousands of Americans every single day. And that's that's what he's compelled to tweet about in the middle of the night. Had he not had a record of this kind of nonsense, I would think that he, you know, I've been reading all these articles about everyone having weird, these weird coronavirus dreams right now. It sounds like he's like live tweeting his own weird fever dreams it's so bizarre and so unbecoming and just so an indicator of his mental state right now. Yeah. I mean, his mental state has always been unstable. He is a sociopath and um, a just extreme narcissist as well, wannabe fascist dictator. And those are all nice words to describe him. But uh, it's made so clear during this crisis that we're going through, when we are just starved for some kind of cohesive federal response to this and Mm -hmm. and then just some compassionate leadership. We have six months before the election. Mm -hmm. And um, I woke up this morning just really, really excited about the notion of having a leader at the head of our government who is actually going to speak in compassionate terms about the situation we're in. Because There's so much we don't know, and there are good people who are working on this. There are scientists who are working on this, and and all over the world, there's a a race to find the vaccine, and there's um, people trying to figure out how we get back to work. Mm -hmm. All the heroes who are taking care of like the the nursing homes who have been hit so hard, and the prisons, and I woke up this morning just, just pining for that day when we have a leader who just gives it to us straight with uh, a little bit of humility for the moment that we're in and a lot of compassion for what people are struggling with and and how we're walking through this. And uh, and we can make that happen, Mariah. We have to, and we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we can. (laughs) Yes, we can. (laughs) So I have have hope. I mean, that's a good segue into uh, our reasons for hope. Because I do have a lot of hope. Um, you know, we have to stay focused on what we need to do. We also know that there's going to be a lot of a lot of voter suppression. That is literally the playbook the Republicans have right now. So, but uh, there's a lot of hope. States are continuing to work to make sure that our elections in November are safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, pushing vote by mail uh, and safe voting solutions. Texas Democrats are sending out vote by mail registration forms to all voters in the state. Um, they're doing the same thing in uh, Milwaukee um, mm-hmm. too, which is uh, a really important Democratic area of w- a very important state of Wisconsin. So those are all like hopeful things. 
they are hopeful. And you bring up, a, a, I mean, I don't think it's ever inappropriate to remind everyone that Republicans have a playbook, but we have a playbook too. And we know that it works. We know that we're going to get rid of Trump if we uh, fight voter suppression and turn out voters. That's what all of these come down to is really like all the polls and strategies and whatnot don't mean a hill of beans compared to what a stupid saying um <laughs> compared to turning out voters but that's our hill and those <laughs> are <one>. our beans <laughs> <laughs> um it just popped out and they said oh gosh i've never used that before um strange times um my reason for hope really is the 25th congressional district in california right now um we have a runoff special election there. This is the congressional seat that Katie Hill vacated late last year. A fantastic mm-hmm. Democrat is running, and she's up against a Republican that has gotten a lot of money in, in, into the race. Donald Trump endorsed him a couple of times via Twitter um, in the yeah. last few weeks. But Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and many, many, many others have endorsed Christy Smith. And you and I met in the 25th district when we started Mm -hmm. doing work there way back in, in 2017. And there was already a fantastic ground game there that just needed a, a little booster shot of support. And so it's, it's really fantastic to see people from volunteers across the country to grassroots organizers, to former presidents coming out to fight to hold on to the seat. Absolutely. And you mentioned the ground game that existed there um, that just needed a little boost. Uh, That ground game in large part was there because of the work Christy Smith has been doing in that district since, you know, she was a school board member and then was elected to the assembly. And, uh, uh, so many people who listen to this podcast worked really hard to flip that district. Um, we are not mm-hmm. going to lose that seat. The, the question was never um, if Christy Smith was going to run for Congress. The question was when she was going to run for Congress. So right. um, this election is coming up. It's less than a week. And there are ways for everyone to get involved. What we're going to just do is put a link to the Christy Smith campaign on our podcast page. So go to swingleft.org slash podcast. That's where you get all the links for the calls to actions that we put forward every week. But we'll have a, a direct link to the campaign because there's phone banks and text banks that you can jump in on and help out the campaign right now and all the way up to election day on the 12th. Get on it. We do talk about this with Rusty Hicks, the chair of the Democratic Party of California. And what's interesting is the digital tools that we've been working on. Um, you know, this is our first chance to see what a, a virtual organizing election looks like, where we can't actually go out and knock on doors. It's also entirely vote by mail, except for a few voting centers that are going to be uh, safe places for people to uh, come vote. So, it's a big national uh, test case that is going to get a lot of attention. So help out. Will do. Um, also to do coming up, May 11th is the Immigrant Day of Action, which of course is going to be online um, this year. We can post um, a link to some tools so that you can participate 
uh, on social media and digitally in the Immigrant Day of Action 2020. Super important this year as coronavirus uh, and the election have rightly pulled our focus. Let's not forget where we were at the beginning of this administration when the immigrant community and refugee communities were the first to be attacked by the Trump administration. That's exactly right. And um, the Trump administration is using this as an excuse to further mm-hmm. attack them. So please join in. May 11th, join in. All right. And lastly, just a reminder that on May 24th, we have our letter writing party with the Pantsuit Politics podcast. So if you haven't signed up for that, we will also have the link on our page. Sign up, write letters, uh, talk to us, talk to the amazing hosts of the Pantsuit Politics podcast, and uh, write some letters to voters. And celebrate your birthday. Thanks. Yeah, it's also my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) We always got to get that in there. That's going to be that's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun afternoon spent together. So fun, I can't wait. So I was really excited to have Rusty come on our podcast, Rusty Hicks, the chairman of the California Democratic Party. Rusty is one of those people who is at everything that you go to and you're yeah. just like how is this guy here and I thought he was across the state today but <laughs> sure, great. Great. Great to see him again. Yeah. He's got an incredible story. He was president of the LA Federation of Labor and um, Rusty was everywhere wielding the power of the LA Fed for good and to help out with these elections. And coming up on a year as the head of the California Democratic Party, and he's been doing a great job. He's really got an organizer's sensibility and has been from the beginning interested in building coalitions and bringing in grassroots groups into the party. I'm thrilled to have Rusty on the show. Yeah, he's got some great insight into organizing and what makes the Democratic Party the Democratic Party. I think people, whether you're part of the party or not, are going to be really interested in hearing what he has to say. Rusty Hicks is the chairman of the California Democratic Party. He previously served as the president of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor and was the California political director for Obama's 2008 presidential campaign. Chairman Hicks, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. uh, Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. First of all, how are you doing uh, while you're staying at home? Well, I'm staying both sane and, and safe which uh, I I have argued that it is hard to do both. Uh, And so I'm doing my best to stay both safe and sane all at the same time. So we're we're doing well. Good. It's important to have goals. And those are two very very good ones. I'm Um, a a goal-oriented person, so it fits. I think that for so long, organized labor has been a a breeding ground for organizers that take what they learn from labor and and use it in many different campaigns and nonprofits. And it really sort of is where people first learn that basic organizing work. Uh, What did you learn from your early years in labor that has carried you into the work that you're doing now? I, I think it's that there's really no shortcut to success. Uh, and that many of the new, even technological advancements that we uh, have at our disposal now 
are that they are tools to help further the basic principles of organizing, which is you organize one by one by one. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimately, you hope to do that at scale. You hope to have a high quality conversation at scale. But uh, the fundamentals of what it takes to organize ultimately goes beyond um, organizing in a workplace, organizing in a community, organizing on a political campaign. Um, it, it all is the, the same basic principles of um, you know being able to connect with real people through your own story and their story in sort of a you know a, a common connection around a particular cause or candidate that can ultimately improve the lives of regular folks. And so by organizing, you actually have regular people have the opportunity to take power for themselves that they normally would not have access to. And so that's really the, you know, the principle that I walked away with, not only the importance of organizing in so many different spaces, but also the, the mechanics of how to do it uh, and how it can be, you know, applied to different scenarios and different situations. Right. Well, having said that and talking about the importance of these conversations and these one-on-one -on -one interactions and building, uh, building those community groups, you've taken over now as chair of the largest Democratic Party in the country right before the most important election of our lives. And now we're dealing with a pandemic that's forced us to stay home and pivot to virtual organizing and limiting the, uh, the ways that we connect with each other. How are you keeping your activists engaged? Well, I think that uh, this particular crisis that we are facing, um, it, I view it as really an opportunity for all of us to rethink and adapt the way we do our work to the new reality. You know, we, we have long talked about moving campaigns and advocacy work into the virtual space, but we've never done it in earnest um, because we haven't been required to. And now we're forced to. We don't really have a, you know, we don't have a choice. And so I view this really as a, a real opportunity. Uh, yes, it is challenging. Yes, the I'm no different than anyone else of experiencing the, the challenges of uncertainty and anxiety uh, that we are all experiencing. Um, and we don't know what November is going to look like. And so I think it's an opportunity for us to adapt in this moment in a way that doesn't necessarily walk away from what I'd call brick and mortar campaigns, campaign offices and uh, rallies, uh, you know, and uh, knocking on doors, um, but it does call upon us to have a much more flexible model, to have a model that can do the work on the ground, but also move into the virtual space, especially when, whether it's phone calls or texting or postcards or, you know, um, other ways of reaching people in a, in a, in a virtual environment. And so 
you know, I, I've only been in this job for a couple of days over 11 months. Uh, so I'm coming up on a, on a year. So I came in obviously in the middle of a, uh, of a term and um, obviously had to quickly get ready for this moment. Uh, the, the election in November, standing up a statewide coordinated campaign, working with all of our partners across the state, and then a worldwide pandemic, and then the most important election of our lifetime. I know we right. always say that, but I think <laughs> we really mean it this time. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. true. Really it's true. It. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's been a it's been an interesting, you know, uh, year or so, and uh, has you know, stretched all of us in a, in a new and different way. The point you made about looking at digital um, organizing and now being kind of forced into it, I know that your team is doing some really innovative stuff around the coordinated campaigns. And of course, uh, initially opened up 12 offices all over California and battleground uh, counties. But now moving to virtual, there's uh, some apps and and ways to get data to people that was um, actually distributed where you wouldn't have to go to an office and you and someone could just get that code and and contact people from their own homes I, I think that as we see some businesses start to open up in the months to come there may be a model where we can send people to do lit drops or or have safe distance conversations where they're not gathering at campaign offices and stuff and and a lot of that is because of the work that you guys have already set up. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, like you said, we don't know, but um, it, it is a unique opportunity. Speaking of those unique opportunities, we also have an election coming up next Tuesday, May 12th in California District 25 that will be a big test case in not just virtual organizing, but also an entire uh, vote by mail election. How is that looking and what kind of things are are volunteers doing to engage in that? Well, it really is a, um, you're absolutely right. It is a trial run for all of us to figure out how to campaign in this environment from what's the message for a candidate, which at this point is healthcare and how to vote. Everything else is is, uh, really secondary to that kind of a conversation. Mm-hmm. To mechanically, how do you um, advocate for your candidate or cause in an environment like this? And third is how do you ensure that the voting process itself, is, the integrity of that process is actually protected? Because, yes, everyone is getting uh, mailed a ballot, but not everybody is comfortable with either filling their ballot out on their own or comfortable with mailing it back. Um, And so the regional vote center model combined with everyone getting a ballot is particularly important for us to both advocate for and make sure that we're not only campaigning right and being successful in that environment, but we're also protecting the integrity of the system itself. We are, you know, the, the California Democratic Party is in fact harnessing not only 12 battleground, the power of 12 battleground counties, but another 40 plus blue wave counties as well. Mm-hmm. So each and every one of them have access to uh, the tools of the party and they're all engaging in targeted races and really important, important causes. So 
we're doing uh, virtual house parties. We had a goal of doing a thousand house parties before Labor Day. We're on track uh, to do that. Uh, we're doing work around making calls around the census. Uh, we're doing wellness checks in partnership with uh, Governor Newsom. Uh, and we're also doing targeted days of action where we're really bringing Democrats from around the state into the virtual space for essentially a virtual rally. We then allow everyone to leave and make phone calls from right where they're at in their own home. And then after a couple hours, everybody comes back and we talk about the great work that was done. It's a way of connecting people in a virtual environment to conduct some of the same activities we would have normally conducted in person. We'd normally have done it in a, you know, in a big office standing next to one another. Well, now we get to standing next to one another in a little square uh, from <laughs> our own home, right? Um, Without wearing pants. What? Well, no comment. Uh, hopefully, at least have your pajamas on or something like that. Right. Uh, I, I do. I am wearing pants right now. For the record, I'm you know I'm fully uh, suited, booted, Good ready to go. So yeah, thanks I for assumed. clarifying. I guess we know what Steve's wearing though. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm wearing sweatpants full on. I'm not gonna okay, okay. not gonna try to pretend I'm wearing a suit there, or anything. There you go, there you go. Um, this is such an an important reminder of what a a, a Democratic Party. can be right, which is about building community with volunteers and with voters. The fact that you you know that the party is involved in wellness checks and and making sure that people feel comfortable voting and finding ways to engage volunteers and allow them to connect with with each other. This is all really important community building stuff that's going to have an impact long term. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I view it as. You can call it community building. I call it power building hmm. um, because really our goal is um, taking one step back. The party cannot solely be an entity that helps to elect Democrats. That cannot be the sole focus of our objective. I believe our primary objective has to be to harness the true power of the party, which is 9 million Democrats across the state whose Collective power can help, as a byproduct, elect Democrats and pass policies that improve the lives of 40 million Californians. And if that's the philosophy of engaging, um, empowering, and mobilizing those folks, 9 million Democrats across the state, you have to do it in a proactive way that's not solely focused on an election but is really focused around the issues and the policies that that will improve their lives, that they believe will improve their lives. They should have a say in their own future. Um, and so that's really what this, this statewide coordinated campaign is about, not just focusing on, you know, working with the Assembly, the Senate, and the, uh, the DCCC on elections, uh, but also working with the formal structure of the party county committees and clubs, but also working with those that are sort of connected to the party, but are not necessarily part of the formal structure, you know, um, swing left and indivisible and resistance groups that have really stood up over the past three years are doing important work. Uh, maybe we're doing work well before that, but doing important work 
my goal is through the coordinated campaign is that we're all working together to ultimately increase our collective capacity and do more, not just to elect at this federal, state, and local levels, but ultimately be able to continue that work after the election cycle to help pass policies that improve people's lives. So that's really the center point of our work, that it can't solely be about an election. An election is an important part of our work. It is not the sole purpose of our work, in my view. I think that's that's great. And you mentioned the work that you've been doing and, and your uh, philosophy about empowering progressive groups like Swing Left and Divisible Sister District, the groups that you mentioned, to work together and build our collective power. I'm a big believer in that too, as you know. These groups uh, have not always worked smoothly. And um, in fact, I think a lot of people joined up with outside grassroots groups because they didn't connect with or maybe felt disenfranchised by party apparatus. So how can we continue to best work together and wield that collective power and acknowledge what we're all bringing to the table and complementing each other with that? I, I would say the, the first thing is uh, you have to have a little faith and trust uh, before you can truly work with, with one another. If mm-hmm. there isn't some basic trust and faith in another entity or organization that we are, while coming at a particular problem set in a different way and through a different approach, that we're attempting to try to do the same thing, I think it's really hard to, to work together. But you only build trust and faith with one another when you're in the trenches with somebody. Right. You know, I'm all for meetings, I'm all for agreements and all that stuff. But that's not where you really build true trust. You build true trust by working alongside one another. And through that sort of shared sacrifice and shared service, you actually get a sense as to what you're good at and what you're not good at and what other people are good at and what they're not good at. Mm. And so we all have to bring something different to the fight. But in my view, you got to bring something to the fight. Uh, You can't just say, well, I'm just here just because. No, either bring something to the fight or please step to the side so someone else can fill that gap because people are counting on us. Um, And so I I think we, you know, have, um, be, be, I don't want to say gentle, but but be kind with one another, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in this new space as now we're struggling to, to, to figure it out. We did a, action and a rally and a date of action around Christy Smith in the 25th turned out great. And, you know, there's a really great feeling and, and sort of good energy that came out of it. And then, you know, about 10 days later, I heard of another group trying to do something similar that didn't exactly go so well. And I got calls saying, uh, did you hear about how X, Y, and Z action didn't go well? And I said, Well, instead of criticizing them, why don't we reach out to them and try to engage them so that we can share the success that we had? Because my view is, if you're doing good work, I want to work with you. Um, And I think that has to be our philosophy, especially when our very democracy is is on the line. Mm -hmm. Like, we we don't have, um, (laughs) we can't get caught up in the, 
sort of formalized structure um, and let process and bureaucracy get in our way. Obviously, there's some of that that we have to abide by because it's important and in our constitution and bylaws and all of those things. But I just think we have to remember what our collective objective really is. And if we keep that as our basic principle, I think we'll be okay. Um. Well, that's a, a, a very hopeful and positive <laughs> outlook. And it kind of brings us to the, the question very naturally that we, we ask all of our guests. We are six months out from the election. And as, as, it, gets, me up. <laughs> as it gets closer, uh, um, what gives you hope as we look towards November? Well, I, I, I would just simply say um, I think the, the resiliency of regular folks you know this moment is really showcasing that whether you're considered an essential worker or you've got to get the opportunity to work remotely and work from home uh, we're all coming together in different ways uh, i'm especially proud of what's happening here in in california uh, where you have democratic leadership that is saving lives every single day um, and there's an activism and an energy within the grassroots leadership that i think ensures that the democratic backbone that is california is going to be ready uh, for the november election to project the power of california into the rest of the country to do what we need to do to keep the house take back the senate and ultimately remove 45 from the from the white house um, i think the resiliency of californians and democrats in particular uh, and the energy is something that keeps me keeps me hopeful that yes we can in fact save our democracy well thank you so much this was so great and just so inspirational yeah no, it's great to great to be with you both Thank you for joining us today and thank you for stepping up and taking action right from home. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you. Let us know how you're doing during the coronavirus pandemic and tweet to us at bluesboysteve and at mariah underscore craven or email us at podcast at swingleft.org. Thank you to our friends at Dimcast. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple or wherever you're listening to this. Share on social media and use the hashtag HowWeWin2020. You can always get more information at swingleft.org slash podcast. And while you're there, you can sign up to volunteer. We have a really good episode next week. I'm very excited about our guest. I'm not going to say who it is yet because I don't want them to cancel if I say it right now. But we're excited about next week's show, so we'll see you then. Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. MSW.